I feel that the bands that are always the ones reaching out, telling me that they need a manager because they got to reach that next level and they've done X, Y, and Z of unimpressive business. Um, uh, you know, the, those are the ones that, you know, they're just, they're just not ready yet. Um, I, I, I always feel like, you know, you'll know when you're ready because your, your business, your band business has reached a point to where you can't handle that business anymore. Um, and, uh, you know, you'll, you'll know when that time is. And, you know, what I've noticed is that when that time comes, that's also the same time that you begin to get on people's radars. Welcome to the Being in a Band podcast. I'm your host, Monica Strutt, and I'll be your new band bestie as we deep dive into all things music marketing, PR and strategy, as well as the mindset it takes to succeed in today's modern music industry. I know the highs and lows of being a musician, and I've seen far too many of my talented peers give up on their dreams far too early in their careers. After working for years, both as a musician and professional digital marketer specializing in the music industry, I now help emerging bands break through the glass ceiling and reach the next level in their careers. Let's do this. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Being in a Band podcast. I'm so excited to bring you today's podcast episode with none other than Blasco. So many people will already know Blasco because he is the bass player of Ozzy Osbourne's band. He's also played for Danzig, for Rob Zombie, amongst many others, but he's also extremely involved in the business side of the music industry and is a very successful band manager of Zach Wilde and the Black Vowel Brides. So I first came across uh, Blasco in terms of his work within the business side of the music industry through his podcast, which is the Manage Mental Podcast. You guys should definitely check that out because there is 100 episodes to listen to. And he also has a second podcast called A New Level. So make sure you subscribe to both of those. We talk a lot about band management today, though. We talk about when a band is ready for a manager, what he's looking for when bringing new bands on board, and what bands should expect from their manager once a manager does come into the picture. We also talk about his new online platform, Bandrader, which is essentially where bands can submit their music and their social media to real industry professionals and get some feedback. I think, you know, when you're an emerging band, you can ask your friends and you can ask your family, you know, what they think of the music that you're putting out there. But at the end of the day, those opinions are kind of biased. So this is a really, really cool platform. So you're going to hear about that. If you're not already subscribed, then make sure you hit that subscribe button because I'm putting out two episodes per week. Let's get into the interview with Blasco. Today I have bass player, manager, podcast host, and you know, entrepreneur all around Blasco on the line. Blasco, how are you? Hello, thanks for having me. No worries. Well, we were just actually talking about the podcast, which is how I first heard of you. Um, can you tell me sort of the idea around starting your managemental podcast and also a new level? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, I am a huge fan of podcasting, whether I'm hosting, co-hosting, or being a guest. So today I'm a guest, which is equally as fun. Um, I just like the, I just like the the format in general, and um, I've uh, listened to a handful of yours, and I think you're doing a great job. So just so you know. Um, and, and, uh, so for me, yeah. So the first podcast, 
uh, we did was called Managemental, and it was me and my friend Mike Mowry, who was also a, a band manager. And uh, initially, we had a mastermind group of like a handful of us, like four or five of us. And over the course of time, that you know, people get busy and they just get you know, you know, roped into their own stuff. And eventually, that that sort of whittled down to just um, me and him. And he uh, owned and operated the Jabberjaw Network, which is a, a podcast network. And there was, uh, you know, a dozen or so different podcasts under that umbrella. And I was like, man, like we talk every week, you know, you own a podcast network. We should just record this shit and make it a podcast, you know, and see, seemed highly logical. And he was like, yeah, OK, cool. Let's, let's do that. So but we're like, but but what is it? Right. Like we, we we've never done it before. So how is this going to be engaging on any level? So we actually did about eight or nine demos until we kind of found our rhythm of how we wanted to do it. And then we stuck to that rhythm for, you know, a hundred plus episodes over the course of a few years. And then, um, and then one day it just, you know, we got busy and, and and sort of unceremoniously ended to where we're just like, man, we haven't done an episode in like three months. <laughs> like maybe we just won't do one again. I don't know. But so we're we've got a few ideas of um, re-entering into the podcast space as host and co-host. So um, you know, you may you may hear us again out there. But um, in the meantime, while I was doing that, I also did another podcast that I think your listeners really dig. It's called A New Level. And it was inspired by the question of how do I get to the next level? And so I thought like, well, I don't have a very specific answer. Um, certainly that isn't long winded and nebulous, but um, why don't I get answers from people, other people that work in the business and see how they got to their next level? So I interview band managers, I interview record label owners, I interview uh, booking agents, like very active, relevant people within the business. Uh, I interview them. And format wise, I was very much inspired by John Lee Dumas and Entrepreneurs on Fire. And so I formatted it very similar to that, where it's short form uh, formatted, meaning they all they get all the same questions. And um, and I dropped the, the first episode, which is I mean, the first season, which is 10 episodes. I dropped that all at once, sort of a Netflix binge style. And because it is formatted and, and the episodes aren't very long, I think they max at like 30 minutes. Um, it is pretty easy to, to, to binge them. And, and I found that most people did that. Um, and a lot of people seem to enjoy it. So, uh, you know, throw that one out there as well. Yeah, I can't wait to dig into that one. Um, that is a question that, you know, I think everyone wants to know. It's it's such a simple question, but it's it can spark so many different things from it. How do we get to the next level? You know, I um, yeah, I was just thinking about you know, aside from podcasting, podcasting, the fact that you're a creative yourself, but you're also involved in management. So effectively, you know, you're on both sides of the music industry and have been for a very long time. How is that managing both the creative side of the music industry and also, you know, more of the business brain? Yeah, and that came together out of a mere necessity for survival. Um, in that, I was a hired gun bass player for a very long time. And um, I had jumped from Prong into Danzig, into Rob Zombie, into Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, and at that 
point that I reached the pinnacle of hired gun bass player guy of being the bass player in Ozzy Osbourne's band, I, I sort of realized, wow, it's very lonely at the top and there's not a whole lot else around here, meaning that whenever this guy retires someday, that where then do I go, right? Like when you're at the top, like where do I, where do I then migrate to? Like, mm-hmm. you know, may, may, maybe ACDC, right? Like maybe Metallica, but like there's not a whole lot of bands that are above the Aussie level. And certainly uh, those bands are spoken for in terms of bass players. And, um, and, 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 you know, and then, and then where do you go? I don't want to go backwards, right? Like I want to go up or at least I at least want to go lateral. Right. Um, so I thought, you know, what would be maybe a better idea is I, I love music. I love metal. I want to stay in the business, but maybe playing bass in a band forever isn't the thing that's gonna, you know, pay the bills and keep the lights on. So I was like, now's a good time that it's afforded me to explore other opportunities in the business because I love being in the business. Like I don't want to be a carpenter or a plumber, you know, when all is said and done, uh, I still want to be active in the business because I've been in the business since I was like 15 years old. Um, so, so that's what I did. I explored a few options. I explored the idea of being an A&R guy, being a producer, and then eventually kind of just logically ended up on being in management because I was like, well, I've got a, I've got a pretty good amount of relationships because I've been kicking around this, this specific genre for many, many years. And, um, and so maybe that credibility will be able to afford me the option to, pick up some clients and, you know, get, get some record deals and get them on some tours and whatever. And so that's what I did. I started at the bottom. Um, but I, I, I built my own company. No one wanted to hire me. And so I just started my own company and found my own bands and did exactly that. I got them record deals. I developed them over the course of time. Um, you know, I've got bands, you know, gold records and Grammys, you know, since, since, since over the last 15 years. So, um, uh, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how it is. And then, and you know, um, I'm, I'm able to kind of straddle the line, um, being on both sides of the fence because Ozzy doesn't work that often. And even whenever we tour, um, we, we don't, we don't, we don't play a lot. Like we only play like three days a week or something. So I'm, I'm left with a lot of time and opportunity to run the business. And then fortunately on tour with Ozzy, one of my biggest clients is Zach Wilde and he's, um, in the room next door to me. Right. So, so we get a lot of time to be able to, to do a lot of business and hash out ideas and whatnot. So, yeah, so that, that's kind of how that all kind of materialized and, you know, kind of brings us to current day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've managed some incredible bands, but how did you get started 13 years ago when you kind of said to yourself, okay, I want to break into the management side of things. Where does one start if someone wants to follow a similar path? Yeah, well, the most important thing is obviously having a client or being able to get a client, right? Because you can say, you know, we joke, right? Because the the beauty of the music business is you can be whatever you want, whatever you say, right? Because you don't, you can't just say I'm a doctor because you need a degree to be a doctor, right? You need to pass the bar to be a lawyer. You can't just say I'm a lawyer. You can, however, say I'm a book, I'm a manager, right? I'm a booking agent. Like you could say that, 
you just need a client to prove it, but you don't have to have a degree to get one, <laughs> you know? So, um, so, you know, fortunately for me, like I said, I, I had been kicking around for a while. Um, I'd been in a plethora of, of bands. I was, you know, transitioning from Rob Zombie's band into Ozzy's band. So in terms of credibility of me approaching a younger band that maybe a bigger manager wasn't because that band wasn't on their radar yet. Um, I was able to do that. So I think, you know, how does someone follow that same kind of trajectory is that if you want to be a manager, you, you definitely have, I mean, there's no rules. So whenever I say I ha you have to, you mean, you don't have to, because rules are meant to be broken, but ideally you, if you want to be a manager, you're going to have to have you're going to have to have some type of network, right? Because I always tell people this, like, how do I be, you know, how do I be a manager? How do I manage a band? I go, well, you got to pick up a client first, but then you have to ask yourself, what's the first phone call that I'm making on this band's behalf to then excel their career a step forward? Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and if you don't have an answer to what that first phone call is, then you got to take a step back and, and figure out, what that is, right? Because, you know, management isn't so much of like making sure that the dudes have water on stage, right? That, that's tour management. That's the very difference. Um, management is very much simply about providing opportunities for your clients. And if you don't have a way to provide an opportunity, then you, you have to focus on that ability. And then you can pick up a client because then you've got, you know, you've got a, somewhere to start to begin to get opportunities for, for your band. I think, I think the same thing applies just in, in general too. Right. Um, you know, for you, like, how do you be a, a, you know, a coach, a music coach or, you know, a music mentor? Well, you, you gotta have some type of knowledge to coach them to go somewhere so that they excel in their career. Right. So I think mm -hmm. the general premise is the same. Yeah, awesome. Um, network, so, so important <laughs> within the music yes. industry, within any industry, really. But I, I feel like, um, yeah, network is just kind of on a on a bigger level, just so important within the music industry. Um, what well, you yeah, they, they, they say that your, your network is your net worth. So mm. remember that. Yeah, definitely. What are you looking for? in a band when you are bringing on new bands to manage. Yeah. And I'm going to kind of elaborate on Matt Bacon, his, uh, his episode with you where he very much hits it on the head where he's saying like, look, if, if, if we're talking about, uh, you know, a service business, um, your band has to have some type of value. And I love his analogy of Shark Tank because it's very much that, where yeah. it's like you have to imagine your band as a small business that you are then pitching to an investor that is going to invest time, energy, and money into your band to help elevate it to the next round. And But that can only be done whenever there are sales, right? Like if you watch Shark Tank, what's one of the first questions the sharks generally ask? What are your sales? So in a direct analogy to Matt's idea is that when they say, what are your sales? You say, 
how many fans do you have, right? Like, and and that that is direct relationship to the band as a, a band being a startup is it's not about the sales, it's about the fans, right? Because the the fan where a manager comes in is being able to take those fans and be able to then convert them into paying fans that are going to buy t-shirts and tickets and records and downloads and whatever. Um, uh, so, so it's very important to think of it in, in that way. So much like Matt said, what, you know, what you look for is you don't have to be the biggest band. You don't have to be the most successful band, but there does need to appear to be some sense of a fan base that gives a crap about what you are doing to where you, someone can see uh, an ROI, right? They can see a return of their investment to where I can tell that there's a fan base here because what a manager can't do is I can't, I can't give someone a fan, right? I can't, I can't give them a fan base. The band has to make music and make art in a way to where it connects with enough people to create a fan base. And there is no easy equation for how that gets done uh, or when it gets done. It's a, it's a perfect storm. It's the right place at the right time. It's a, a lot of different things add up to connecting with the fan base. And in some ways it's, a, it's, a, it's equally as harder than ever before and easier than ever before to do that. On one hand, it's harder than ever before because you're competing with millions and millions of bands and, and millions and millions amount of content, right? Like when you think about all the option paralysis that I have on my phone, just my phone itself of like, am I going to watch a video? And, you know, am I going to watch YouTube? Am I going to scroll on Tinder? Am I going to look at Instagram? Am I going to go to Spotify? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're not just competing with music. You're competing with just video games and videos and TikTok and you name it, right? Like, so the, you know, the individual's opportunity to choose what they're going to do next on their phone to entertain themselves doesn't always revolve around music, right? Um, so on one hand, it's more competitive than ever before, but on the other hand, it's easier than ever before because you have all these people accessible to you right away like on instagram like they're literally a keystroke away whereas whenever i was getting started and i was in my little metal blade band and you know we were putting records out that's all there was like if you wanted to get your band heard like you pretty much had to get a record deal and that record company had to print 12 inch vinyl and it had to put it in stores and you know buy full page ads and magazines and like it was, it was a tremendous amount of work to be able to get seen and heard, right? Because there was, there was such a, a, a small barrier of entry to actually get someone to invest money in you when there was perceivably no return of investment. So now, um, you know, you, you, you have those options. It's, it's very, it, it's, it's very busy and it's very, it's a very crowded space, but the fans are all there. So you just have to find them and you have to connect with them. And I'm sure you have a myriad of strategies of how you find, uh, engage and build that fan base. And, you know, and there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of options of, of how that is and not, and no one situation necessarily works or everyone's strategy 
works the same way for every band. You know, you might implement a strategy in one band that works great, and you might implement the same strategy in another band that doesn't work at all. Um, and so it's it's kind of the it, it's fun that way, but also equally is frustrating, you know, that way. So um, I think that answers the question. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. And um, like when you say fans, the thing that came to mind was, I mean, of course, social media. We all know how that's completely changed how bands can connect with their perspective fans. Um, it does make the market of course, really, really saturated more than ever before, but it's also, as you said, easier than ever before. But um, for the bands listening, I think um, what a lot of bands in the heavy scene, because I feel like in some ways the heavy scene is a little bit behind um, some of the other genres out there in terms of um, online presence. Um, Fans doesn't necessarily mean followers on Instagram or Facebook, it means people that are actually going to be engaging on your posts and, as you say, convert into, you know, paying customers, buying your tickets, buying your merch. Because if you have 10,000 followers on Facebook or 20,000 followers on Facebook, that doesn't really mean anything unless people are actually interested in what you have to have to offer in terms of your music and also the personal connection that you have to them. Yeah, that, that that's exactly right. Um and but it is it is definitely good if you can say that you have a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. That's much better than having a thousand followers on Instagram. And in terms of people wanting to, and I say people, I mean like labels, managers, booking agents. That is a lot sexier number, right? Uh, <laughs> whether or not you're converting them or not, there's still that's still a semi magic number. Um, a million is a much more magical number, um, amount of followers, but, um, a hundred thousand is, is still amazing. And people would definitely perk up and pay attention to that, you know, for sure. Absolutely. In terms of a band that thinks that they're ready for a manager, you know, maybe they've got some buzz, they're starting to sell out some local smaller shows and, and tour and everything. Should they reach out to someone such as yourself or should they kind of um, wait until people come to them? Because is it more of the case of when a band is ready and buzzing, they'll already be on your radar? I find that to be a very true statement. Like, uh, you know, all the bands that I have found and developed and, you know, helped bring them to a successful level of music business, um, those are bands that I found and approached. They didn't find me. Um, and uh, I feel that the bands that are always the ones reaching out, telling me that they need a manager because they got to reach that next level and they've done X, Y, and Z of unimpressive business. Um, uh, you know, the, those are the ones that, you know, they're just, they're just not ready yet. Um, I, I, I always feel like, you know, You'll know when you're ready because your your business, your band business has reached a point to where you can't handle that business anymore. Um, and, uh, you know, you'll you'll know when that time is. And and you know, what I've noticed is that when that time comes, that's also the same time that you begin to get on people's radars. Um, um, you know, I don't I don't know what you know, magical moment that is, but it, it just is, at least from my experience, that's the way I've have found that relationship to work. 
Yeah, a lot of the time I've heard that generally when you are starting to have a buzz around you and you are starting to get on people's radars, there's usually a couple of managers or a couple of labels that are kind of looking at you at the same time. When it comes to choosing and considering which band manager to go with, if you are faced with that very lucky predicament, Mm -hmm. um, you know, do you have any advice in terms of what bands should consider when deciding who to get on as their manager? I do. So I'll give you a very specific example from my own experience. So in the 90s, I was in a band that got signed to Elektra Records, which was um, a major label at the time in the 90s. They're long since gone, but Elektra Records was the record label. And we were signed by a guy named Michael Olago, who is most famously known as the guy that signed Metallica. And he signed our cute little band. Anyway, so at that moment, he's like, well, now you're going to need a manager. And he introduced us to a bunch of managers, Um, some on the bigger scale and some on the smaller scale. So here's a thing to consider. We met with some younger managers that were very hungry and very motivated. Um, But who did we go with? We went with the guys that managed Pantera and White Zombie. Why? Because they managed Pantera and White Zombie and as young band guys, you want to tell your friends that you're managed, that you, you, we got a record deal with the dude that signed Metallica and, and we got, you know, we're managed by the same guys that managed Pantera and White Zombie. Like you, it, it's braggable, right? Like you want to, you, you want to brag to your friends and, uh, and, and you think that bigger is better because that's, that's just the way you think. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I get it. I'm a musician and I, and this is my own experience. And, um, and, and that's what we did. And let me tell you, that big label and that big management company, uh, you know, the band was unsuccessful and got dropped months after our record came out. And we didn't get on any big tours and any, you know, no, no significantly, you know, huge festivals or anything. And, you know, our record was a dud and we got dropped and that career was over within less than a year. Um, so bigger isn't necessarily better even though just because you think that it might be. Um, I think then in hindsight, if you are presented with that option, you definitely need to take into a much deeper consideration the younger, hungrier guy with a huge level of enthusiasm and maybe not as huge of a roster because that probably is, in a lot of cases, probably the better choice. Um, because they, they have something to prove, right? Whenever you're already, whenever you're already managing bands that are hugely successful, yeah, I mean, it's easy like to, uh, we'll just have them open up for that band and we'll throw them out there and da, 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 and maybe it sticks and maybe it doesn't or whatever. But and I'm not saying it's the wrong choice to go with the bigger manager. I'm just saying if you are lucky enough to have that opportunity, take a second meeting with that younger enthusiastic guy, even though you're very excited about the sexiness of the triple platinum record on the wall from the huge band that this other guy manages, like take a second meeting with the smaller guy and, and dig, dig a little deeper into what he can offer you and what his plans are on how he's going to level you up. A lot of the time. Um, yeah, I think bands are kind of skipping ahead in terms of where they're at 
in their music and and the amount of fans that they have. So um yeah, it's really really cool to to hear straight from the horse's mouth what you're looking for in terms of a manager and also you know when you do get to that point what to consider in terms of like the day to day job of a manager. I know you kind of already um, touched on before what you consider a manager's role to be holistically, but what day-to-day activities does a manager have with the bands that they work with? Yeah, well, continuing to provide more opportunities that will then continue to bring the band forward and upwards. Um, that is that is a consistent, and that's the thing that keeps me up at night and wakes me up at five in the morning. Um, but there's obviously administrative stuff that needs to happen, hirings and firings, uh, you know, putting together tours, putting together records, hiring tour managers, hiring producers, hiring mastering engineers, um, you know, get, getting all of the copy together for albums, getting the crews together for tours. You know, there is a wealth of administrative business that needs to happen to that that function to keep the train rolling forward right and then it's the other stuff that you want to help then elevate the the thing upwards as well so the 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 momentum that always needs to be happening is forwards and upwards right so it's every day you sort of do the juggling act of what am I doing now? Am I doing forwards or upwards? <laughs> you know, like well, and today I'm focused on, on forwards and then tomorrow I'll be focused on upwards, you know? So, um, but in a nutshell, that's sort of the, the, how, what the day to day looks like. Yeah, sure. Awesome. Well, shifting gears, you have a new platform, which is um, thebanderator.com, which I'm really, really excited to hear more about. Can you give us the lowdown on what that is and how you came up with the idea? Yes. So Banderator came from the idea of, and I, I remember that you and Matt or or, uh, or, or Dewar were, were talking about this, or probably both of you were talking about this. Um that you've got people that reach out to you, all three of you, constantly asking for something for free or some advice or some guidance. and But all of you are in the business of charging for your services because your services are of value, right? So I kind of took that, that idea and ran with it. And I was like, look, same thing happens to me. I got people asking me for advice and will you listen to my song and what do you think I should do and what if and what if and what, you know, whatever. Uh, and I was like, you know what? Like I either answer that or I either delete that message, right? Or I ignore that message. And, uh, you know, you always kind of feel like an ass by ignore, ignoring it. And then, and then you always feel like you're cheating yourself by answering it. So I was like, how serious are these people and how important is it that they have an answer to these things that they want to know or how important is it that someone listens to their song? So I was like, the way that this all works is that I build an environment that is behind a paywall to where now when someone hits me up about, can you listen to my song? Can you give me advice on this? Yes, I would love to do that. Please sign up at banderator.com. And I filter all of my uh, guidance and, uh, you know, questions and critiques. 
I, did, I, did, I, I will run all of that through that platform. And yes, there is a paywall, but if you're serious about wanting an answer to this or you're serious about what I think about your song, then you will pay for it. And you know what? And if you won't pay for it, that's fine. I'm not mad at you. But then that means that maybe you're just not that serious right away. And then that way I know that if I did answer your question that you're totally fucking wasting my time, which is a drag, right? Um, so instead of just wondering, I was like, okay, here's a problem. Let me make a solution. The solution is Banderator. And so if you want me to critique your song or listen to your song or give you some guidance, you have some questions, there's an opportunity there to do that privately behind a paywall. And, and it's all audio. Like it's not you know, a lot of you know, critique sites. They're typed and kind of boring and, and sort of not, not engaging. Mine are all audios, like they're all MP3 responses. So you want me to listen to your song, I'll listen to it, and then you'll get upwards of you know a five-minute sort of critique and response in an audio MP3 format of me talking to you about your song. Um, and we did, you know, we've done a bunch of beta testing, and we found that to be you know responsive and and well enjoyed and liked and valuable to. Um, to the beta testers and stuff. So yeah, we're, we're, we're opening it up. You know, we're, 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 we're going past beta here and we're, we're going into the full action here very soon. So probably by the time that this episode airs, we'll be, we'll be up and running. But, um, but yeah, that was the idea. The idea is how do I not ignore these people, but yet justify my time being spent with it. And I'm serious about giving you a real answer. If you're serious about what it is that you want to know from me, right? Um, you know, I've been, I've been kicking around for a while. So if you're asking my opinion, you think my opinion is valuable and that costs a few bucks. And I think that that's totally fine in the bigger scale. What the plan is there is that we have more people there like record, you know, record label executives, um, booking agents, people like you and Matt, you can all make time to come in there. And if you want to, and I can even offer it to you to where I go, Hey, Monica, if you want to use this platform to filter song critiques and, and Q and A's and mentorship through there, more, you're more than welcome. Here's your invite code. Come on in and set up shop, you know? And, um, so that's, that's the idea. You know, the idea is to, Provide a place because people obviously, you know, look between just the four of us, right? People want help, they want guidance, and they want to know what to do next. And um, and just like you guys offer, um, you you offer your services, I offer mine as well, right? So it, ours is just all a little bit different in terms of what we offer, but this is what I've got going on. So yeah, I think it's kind of a, I think it might be kind of a a good idea. So um. Yeah. You know, or or maybe it isn't. Who knows? But either way, um, at least at least it's something that I felt that I needed a solution to. Yeah, I love that so much. Um, it's such a cool idea because um, you know, I used to work for a, a music publication. I still do occasionally for many many years, and um, yeah, the amount of you know DMs we get with just links to video, even just asking for feedback or can you promote this or how do we you know, get this out to more people. Um, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely something that bands want to know because there's not really a way that, I mean, they people can show their friends, people can show their family, but often, um, you know, that opinion's a little bit biased. So to have a professional platform like this with real music industry professionals who know their shit, 
that is just um, such a fantastic opportunity. And so, yeah, just such an accessible way for bands to get feedback on the music because at the end of the day, it really is the music that is the most important factor in everything. So, you know, if you've got a good song, um, then that's really just the beginning of everything. Very, very cool. And super easy to sign up. I just submitted an application uh, before we jumped on the call uh, for my own band. And you basically just, it's just a quick form with your band's name and um, just a few links to your music and everything like that. And um, yeah, and then it's all submitted. So uh, very, very cool. Um, yeah. And, and one thing that we're doing on there, so we ask you to enter like your Instagram and your bands in town and a few other things. And so on the back end, we've developed a, a proprietary algorithm that actually that actually scrapes all um, all of your 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 analytics, like so like your total YouTube views, your total Instagram followers. We scrape all that from the Internet. We pull it together into our own sort of proprietary algorithm. And it spits out what we call like your fire score, meaning that the higher that number is, the more on fire that you are, right? And yeah. we, we and and much like back in the day, you know how there was like the MySpace charts. Like our our hope and goal is that we've got enough bands in there to where these these actual we, that we have our own charts, much like how the MySpace charts used to operate. Whereas like an A and R person can go on there and be like, wow, holy shit, look at look at all these bands that are totally on fire. And then the point of it all is, is that by us coaching you and answering your questions and guiding you through your music, that that is all information that's going to help you build your fire score because it, 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 it grows in real time. So the more views you get, you know, the more likes you get, the more followers that you get, that fire score number continuously grows, you know, or shrinks in the terms of a band that sucks. That is awesome. So, so cool. Um, so that's just at thebandarated.com, but I'll leave all the links below um, in the show notes for everyone. Thank you so, so much for um, for coming on the podcast. Um, one last question. When you first started your very first band when you were 15 years old in high school, looking back on, you know, the course of your career and some of the milestones that you've hit, uh, not only, you know, in the actual playing side of music, but, you know, the business side um, as well. Did you, is this what you imagined? Is this what the path, um, what the path has been? Is that what you thought it would be? Interesting question. Um, Well, I'm still here. Um, And I started when I was 15 and now I'm 50. So the fact that heavy metal could provide my livelihood for that long of a period of time, I'm obviously very thankful and do not take that for granted at all. Every, and I tell everybody in the businesses, I go, guys, look, every day that we wake up and, we wake up and heavy metal pay, pays our bills, that is a glorious day, right? Um, so, 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 yeah, I mean, look, I was very fortunate to get into a situation very young and by the time I had graduated high school, I had been signed to Metal Blade Records and already put out three records and been on tour. And that was that was before I graduated high school, right? So at that point, that was the moment whenever I go, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And it's a very easy thing to say, but it's not a very easy thing to pull off and execute. Um, so, you know, look, I, I just think that I've been very fortunate along the way. I've had some really good opportunities. And fortunately, I guess if I 
have to give myself any credit is that I've been ready for those opportunities. So whenever they present themselves, I'm able to kill it. Right. And I think that's, that's kind of the, 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 you know, the thing that everybody says, right. It's, it's when, you know, when opportunity meets preparedness, that's, that's luck. And as much as I'd like to say that I'm lucky, opportunities have presented themselves and, and I have been prepared when they have. So as much as it's been luck, it's also been that as well. So believe in luck or not, um, believe in the fact of always being prepared, I think is more importantly. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, I, I yeah, I mean, that's really it. I mean, did, did, I, every day that I'm still here doing what I love to do is a glorious day. And, and did I anticipate that? No, I mean, 50, like whenever I was a, a kid doing that, like the, the year 2000 seemed like science fiction and here we are 2020, like, you know, and we still don't have a Jetsons car, right? Um, but uh, but we're, we're, we're still doing it, and heavy metal is still alive and well. Think of this. The first Black Sabbath record, which by all means is the manifesto for all that is heavy metal, will be 50 years old, February 13th. So, you know, much respect to, to them for all giving us a career uh, in a, in a lot of ways, but, um, yeah, so, so 50 years, that's what we're coming up on. So I'm very lucky to be 50 years old and still, still, you know, thriving in a genre that's really only 50 years old, right? It's only as, it's only as old as I am. Um, and, and rock and roll really hasn't been around much longer. So, um, you know, I feel very fortunate and, 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 uh, you know, this is what I want to do forever. So hopefully that happens. Love that. And I also really love the quote, uh, I think it's opportunity dances with those already on the dance floor, or if you're in the metal scene, maybe opportunity moshes with those already in the mosh pit. So I think that really <laughs> to <laughs> what you've just said. Right. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Blasco, for coming on the podcast. No doubt all the listeners would have got so much incredible advice, um, you know, about management and, and, you know, just making it in the music industry in general. So yeah, thank you again. Of course. Thanks for having me. And I uh, sincerely appreciate it. And um, I can't wait to check it out. So and then hopefully this podcast gets up to 100 episodes and we can have uh, we, we'll, we'll I'll, I'll come on again and celebrate. How about that? I would absolutely love that. Oh, lastly, where can everyone follow you? Blasco1313. That's me everywhere on on social networks. Sweet. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Thank you.